Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash, still recovering after the Super Bowl festivities held on a very hot Monday here in Sydney, Australia. Joining me as always, Newcastle's savviest basketball savant, it is Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how's it going, man? Tremendous, mate. Tremendous. How are you? Uh, I'm still, like I said, still recovering. You know, I'm uh, well into my 30s now, and yeah. um, it's not like a it's not like a two day recovery. It's uh, it's a full week recovery. So, <laughs> to do a couple of shoeies in your Tom Brady jersey on on Monday, did you? Uh, that's yeah, it's the least of it. But uh, you know, I'm doing <laughs> all right. It could be a lot worse. Also joining us, a super late addition to the show, but a very welcome one. Celtics Reddit's own and, and host of the Strangers podcast. It's Larbird33. Welcome, man. Hey, how you guys doing? It's good to be here. Exciting, exciting week. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a dramatic week. Like, there's just so much going on, like you said, and um, I'm finding it hard to, to focus on the, on the rest of my life. But um, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but very quickly, coming up on the show, we're, we're digging deep on the Cavs game. Not much of an exhibition, but still some exciting things to, uh, to come out of that one. We'll do the Reddit recap, and with the trade deadline right around the corner, we'll have a look at some of the latest drama going on there. Also, holy Philly trade. Woj dropped this bomb right before we started recording this podcast, so of course we're going to get into that Philly trade as well. Uh, also, very quickly, if you want to contact us here at the Celtics Reddit Podcast, easiest way to do so is to comment on the Reddit thread for this episode, or you can follow us on Twitter at Celtic Reddit Pod. Please also rate, subscribe, blah, 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 all those great things that uh, podcast followers do. That'd be very much appreciated. Uh, so I guess a, a rare Kyrie-less road win here for the Celtics, which we'll get to first, a 103-96 uh, win against the Cavs of Cleveland. Uh, Jackson, we'll go to you first. What's what's your take on the game? Uh, win's a win. You know, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's about That's as pretty much, much it, right? Say, I think, man. Like, um, I, I think, um, I, I think it would have been like mega embarrassing to to lose to the Cavs more than it probably would have hurt our like win loss tally. Even though it actually worked out to be quite a good day. Um, with uh, with Philly losing. Uh, Pacers did win, but they they trounced the Lakers, and you can never you know be upset when LeBron gets <laughs> smashed. So I was happy yeah. with that. But um, yeah, no man, it's it, uh, win, wins a win, particularly that Kyrie, and particularly that Marcus Morris too. Like when we don't have Kyrie, and particularly on the road, like you kind of need your consistent scorers to show up. And without Marcus Morris, you think to yourself, all right, it's gonna have to be Tatum's game. And uh, he actually he stepped up rather well, I think. And uh, and Gordon Hayward too, quite a nice game from him. Yeah, dude. yeah t- Tatum uh, getting to the line, that's a that's a big one. You know, I've, we've always kind of looked at him as someone who hopefully could be like a Paul Pierce down the line. And that was what Pierce did, man. He just lived at the line. So anytime I see Tatum getting 12 free throws in a game, I get excited that maybe he's starting to take it to hoop more and that'll be part of his game more. That was a pretty exciting thing. Um, and then Marcus Smart, that was the other big one, that Smart just continues to just keep shooting lights out. Just c- kind of crazy to see these guys putting up, you know, he's putting up these stat lines that he hasn't ever done prior to this season, you know, like four from five from three, but he's doing it regularly now. And it just seems kind of normal. It's never been normal before this. And it's just awesome to see. Yeah. He's kind of, he's kind of like having a contract year on the wrong side of signing his contract. Like his timing's <laughs> a little off there, but yep. uh, you know, we'll take it. We've just locked him down. So um, 17 points, four assists, five rebounds and four of five from three. 
which uh, quick maths, I believe, is 80%, uh, and is now on the season shooting 37.7% from three. His career um, stats there from three are 30.6. So, uh, yeah, they just uh, continue to trend in the right direction, and uh, we're obviously better for it, especially now that, you know, teams like Philly are, uh, are bolstering their lineup, which we'll get to a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, Marcus Smart, good to see. And the, and the defense is still there as well, which is incredible. But I can be honest, I... I... I never thought that this would happen for Marcus Smart. I just, you know, I put it in my mind that he was going to be this player that was purely intangibles and which was great. I mean, he can he can impact winning in so many ways, but I just wrote him off as ever being an above average shooter and to see him shooting 38% from 3 and it's probably actually higher now, right? It's going to go up after this game. That's that's mm-hmm. crazy. Like I just I never expected that to come out of him and it's really really cool. Do 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 you think it's sustainable? over the rest of the season, let alone, like, his career. Like, this is obviously a quantum leap by his standards. What's he shooting in his career? 30%? 30-something like that? Yeah, it was, like, yeah. under 30% before yeah. this year. And so now and now he's, like, and what it would be approaching... He'd have to be approaching, like, 38 or something like that for the rest of the season. So do you reckon that's sustainable, or do you reckon we're seeing just, like, like one of those weird uptick years where the just things just work? Well, I mean, it used to be a joke. You'd go through months at a time, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't even see him crack forty percent from the field in a single game. It was just like this guy could not shoot. But he, you know, a couple seasons ago in the off season, he did a, put a lot of work into completely changing his shot, and uh, it seemed to have started. I kind of mentioned this on the last time I was on this podcast. It seemed to start paying dividends um, early last year, and then I don't know if it was the the pressure of the contract year getting to him, and and you know having this this weight on him to try to earn this big money contract. Maybe that impacted his shooting, or maybe it's just that when you adjust your shooting, it takes some time for the, that to pay dividends. And so I don't know. I don't think he'll ever continue to shoot, you know, 38%. Like when the last five games, he's shooting like 47% from three. Like that's not sustainable, but it's po- it's possible that he's going to be an above average shooter or at least, you know, an average shooter heading forward. I mean, it finally happened to Rondo. Rondo finally can kind of shoot a little bit. We saw guys... You know, um, there's been other examples of players like um, that have gotten it together. So maybe this is it for him. Yeah, I, I, I do want to get back to Tatum's free throw attempts very quickly. 12 free throw attempts in the game, like we were saying. I think he had 25 points, 7 rebounds, 3 blocks. Uh, his career average um, getting to the free throw line or free throw attempts per game is only 3.1 per game. Obviously, that's only over a season and a half. That's his career so far. Um, but, you know, 12 in the game, and it was quoted after the game, I don't know the exact quote in front of me, but something along the lines of that's how great players score their points, like 25 plus per game scorers get to the line uh, regularly. And if I'm going to be one of those scorers throughout my career, then that's what I need to do. And um, like obviously a huge uptick in those free throw attempts. And hopefully it's something that he keeps up. I don't know how, if it has something to do with Kyrie being out, but um, like obviously that's a good sign, right? Yeah, it's kind of like, I feel like it's the next evolution of him as like, as a scorer, because that's like, that's what he's going to, like, he's be his primary sort of trait, it's like he's going to get your buckets, get your points. So you could see like, there's the hints of it throughout the season where he's like, he's tried to get to the free throw line by like, kind of bringing his motion through the defender if they're all over him, which I think he saw, I can't remember the game it was, but he tried like four or five times, maybe it was Charlotte or something, but um, yeah, he tried that, but um, yeah, it seemed a lot more of just like trying to get to the rim, like we're showing some good ag- aggressiveness and whatnot and getting the shots that way. So yeah, man, like even if it's like, if he, I think he said there was a quote saying he like the best players average about eight or so, and that's where he wants to get to. So man, even if you can just like get to the line like six, six, seven times the rest of the season, man, that's going to be real encouraging. That's going to be invaluable to us going forward. Also, the thing I want to say is that the, the timing of a really strong game from Tatum in this 
week in particular when his name is all over the media with people yeah. saying that, you know, Ainge might actually consider or is actively considering That's including him in his trade. I mean, that could be such a huge, huge distraction. And here he is like balling. And it's just awesome to see. Like I was worried. I said this on my podcast that I was worried that when Davis announced his trade request, that it was going to become this huge distraction for our locker mm-hmm. room and to see Tatum playing like this. It makes you feel great. Like, no matter what happens, we're going to have this guy heading forward, and that's awesome, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, you talk about timing, like at this juncture in the uh, in the season and with what's going on with all the trade talks and everything. But uh, Gordon Haywood had an incredible game, and I, I think like um, what we're willing to give up in the offseason, if it gets to that and AD isn't traded by the deadline, uh, Gordon Haywood's performance and and like the caliber in which he's playing will have a lot to do with like how easily we give up, you know, potentially Tatum or Brown or whoever it is, knowing that it's fine. Gordon Haywood has has stepped up and he's returned to his prior form and like he is part of a big three that we can plug in along with um like along with Kyrie and AD. And you know, at this juncture in the season, I, I thought that was a pretty well timed game. Where obviously he's not back to who he has been prior to the injury, but. It was certainly a good step in the right direction and a, a well-timed one, particularly given the fact that like he's back in Cleveland. He's playing in that arena again on that court for the first time since the injury. And you could tell he had this like energy about him like right from the tip-off that he was, or at least right when he came, he was subbed onto the court, that he was going to play with um, you know, added aggression. I thought that was awesome and like sounds corny, but a little bit inspiring. Like It was just really cool to see him step up like that in that arena at that time. Totally, yeah. Um, the last few games, I've noticed that there's more of a conscious effort, at least you can see it, like, but when you're watching him, of, like, trying to be more aggressive, like, whether or not he actually feels comfortable or not, you can see the effort is there to really, like, get to the rim and, like, or at least, like, just get to the rim confidently, whether or not you're going to finish or, or pass it out. But, yeah, the uptick there is great, man. I just You want to temper it a little bit by saying it's just the Cavs. And, I mean, I don't like it when people, like, try and shit on, like, good performances saying it was just a crap team because you got to play whoever's in no, front you of you, blah, blah, blah. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, like, I mean, for, 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 like, where this guy is and, like, what the opinion of him is, like, throughout, like, you know, people who casual fans or people who aren't like really invested who aren't like you know watching like the little small increments of progress that he's making filthy casuals a... jackson yeah yeah they'll say he's a, they'll say he's a fucking <laughs> terrible contract and all this kind of shit but um but no nah, man the improvements are, are definitely there and like i mean if you're gonna perform you're gonna have good games then you know start with the bad teams and you know get to the point where you can start to be competitive you know against the proper teams and you'll have plenty of chances of that you know in the playoffs yeah so with gordon um I still feel like this guy is going to make a he's going to turn a corner probably after the All-Star break. I'm hoping at least of course, but like I can't really uh judge his poor performances too much. You know, even he's been up and down all season, but in his poor performances, you know, he's taking like five shots, six shots a night and he's taking it in 22 minutes off the bench and it's a role that's pretty limited. And if he has that kind of limited role, I can't, you know, I can't expect him to put up 20 plus points when he's only playing 20 minutes and taking five shots. So with him, like tonight, he got more minutes, he got more touches, he got more shots, and he performed. And we're seeing more and more signs of that. You know, a couple games ago, he had 14 points, 62% shooting, game four at 12 points, took only 10 shots. Um, I st- I've been like driving this bandwagon by myself on uh, on Reddit, which is that I think, you know, March, that's the, that's the month for him, man. He's going to win Eastern Conference Player of the Month in March because uh, at least I'm hoping you know, this guy's going to just... You heard it here first. So, <laughs> first, right. <laughs> you know, but it's it's partially wishful thinking, but 
Also, you know, it's going to be interesting as we head into this trade deadline because I know there are some people who are, you know, that want to see us move Morris and they want to see us move Rozier. And if that happens, that frees up more minutes for um, Brown and Hayward. And I know that's kind of punting a little bit on this season in the present. I guess you could look at it in that way. But if you're trying to still acquire assets for this big grand trade for Davis down the line, then maybe you'll end up moving those guys. And maybe Hayward will have a bigger role after this trade lot deadline. So it's something to keep an eye on. I still have a lot of faith in this guy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's at least starting to show with growing consistently, consistency rather that he can perform, you know, um, as as we knew him to perform prior to the injury, um, particularly early in the fourth quarter, right? Hayward, without getting a screen set for him, drove from the three point line and legit Euro stepped his way for an open layup. And and the main directional change in that Euro step was off his left ankle, which I believe is the one that he broke. And like that's fucking huge. Like as someone with with bad knees, and like don't get me wrong, yeah. I'm not comparing myself to. Not only NBA players, but anyone that is even remotely athletic. Not not making that comparison, but as someone with bad knees, you can't do that. You can't do that sort of euro stepping unless you're like totally confident that your shit works, right? Like you've got to have sound lower extremities to to do that to pull that off. And like we shouldn't undervalue how promising that that play from Gordon Hayward was. Like it was incredible and like total shades of of prior Gordon Hayward. If you know, it was a huge improvement on anything I've seen from him so far this season, it was. In my opinion, the the peak yeah. Hayward so far so far this season. Yeah, anytime there's any kind of successful drive to the rim, like it makes it encourages the shit out of me. Like that that yeah, he is going to turn the corner. He is going to get there sooner or later. And that play, yeah, absolutely was uh, was wonderful to see. And I'm sure I've brought up this point before on him, but he had you know just a month ago mentioned he was still experiencing soreness, and he himself said yeah. that April May is when he was hoping that he'd be closer to normal. So. And he's still on this. He's still rehabbing. He's still getting to that player that he was before. And you can't just look at him right now and say, uh, write him off. It doesn't make sense to write him off. This guy's still improving. He's still on a rehabbing schedule. And hopefully he's going to be 100% in the playoffs and it'll be a huge thing, right? Yeah, that that would be ideal. (laughs) I I certainly hope so. And, you know, like we sort of started this Hayward discussion on, like that that really, it, it may very well dictate like how our, off-season trading looks like and, and what we're willing to give up for someone like Anthony Davis. You know, if we're confident that Gordon Hayward is going to be like the Gordon Hayward again, then suddenly, as much as I hate to admit it, we might be more willing to, to part ways with um like the Jays or, or one of the Jays. Um, we, we've got to talk about Terry Rogier, um because we've talked about a lot of positive things so far. And I, I don't think that Terry Rogier, at least in this game, fits into that category. The Cleveland Cavaliers, ladies and gentlemen, were, were putting Terry Rozier into the pick and roll and, and absolutely just destroying him. Um, he did not look like a, a competent defender at all. He hasn't uh, many times during this season, but I thought that this was a defensive low for Rozier um, so far this season. And against such a low caliber opponent like the Cavs, I just, I don't know. I thought that was disappointing and I, I much uh, preferred. Wanamaker's minutes, and I thought that he was a much more competent all-round basketball player than Rogier. You know, we we really hype up Rogier when he has good games, so I think rightfully so. We need to we need to talk about when he has shitty games like this. So it sort of feels like yeah, it sort of feels unfair uh, in some capacity, but like I guess that's just sort of the hangover of like wanting Scary Terry to come back, like the same guy from from like March, and no, that's the same guy from like the playoffs last year. Um, but yeah, man, like Colin Sexton. I mean, I don't know, was that his career high? No, no, it wasn't. It was 29 against the Wizards. 
Um, but yeah, he well, he had 27 or something like that. So, you know, decent game yeah, for him. Yeah, that's right. And probably no coincidence that like Terry Rogier was his main. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's not great to see. I mean, again, like a win's a win. I, I don't like to like just bogged down on like bad performances in, in games like this like probably a bit a bit short-sighted a bit naive not to like go to notice it and call him out for it but um yeah I mean, i've like kind of i've kind of like relegated Roger to that level of like when there's a good performance you're like oh shit it's like found money like you're, you're surprised by it and when he plays badly it's just kind of like that that constant sort of you know downer that, that you expect sometimes too so i mean as far as as far as the results concerned it's all good but as far as performance is concerned it's i'm still like yeah it's about the about where he's at really this season unfortunately yeah i think that's a really good point in that um we we hold him to a standard of what he did in the playoffs and he was spectacular in the playoffs but i mean (laughs) this guy was a middle first round pick and we had very little expectations for him prior to that run in the playoffs i mean he's still he, he wasn't he didn't play great tonight right but he still makes an impact on some level like i heard you guys it might not been um no, it might not have been you, Jackson. It might have been Joe. Joe, yeah. I'm terrible names. But I, I heard you guys talking a few weeks back, I think, and you were saying that you just wanted to give all of uh, Rozier's minutes to Wanamaker. And yeah. you seem to be genuinely genuinely believing it. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, Rozier, he's played really, really, really well in the starting lineup. Tonight wasn't a great night, but he still makes an impact. I still think this guy has value. Um you know, I I think that we probably should try to at least try to uh, trade him for a first before the end of this trade trade deadline tomorrow. But but I think he can still make an impact during this season, and he could be huge in the playoffs. He's just you know he's up and down, and uh, you can't expect him to drop twenty seven points and six assists and eight rebounds like he did in Game Seven of the Buck series to get us to the second round last year. It's just not going to happen every night, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's probably fair. I just I don't know. The, the thing that annoys me about Rogier is in a, in a season thus far where like you could label everything as inconsistent. It's been a a tumultuous roller coaster of inconsistencies among the entire roster. And yet despite all of that, Terry Rogier's inconsistencies still stand out. Like he he's still noticeably more inconsistent than everybody else. Um and I don't know. I think that's 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 worth mentioning. Like he he um his lows are noticeably lower, and he, but at the same point, I guess his his highs are noticeably higher as well. He just he seems to stand out from the rest of the team, and I don't know, it just there's something about him that that bothers me. But you know, Brad Brad Stevens has um, attributed a lot of our recent success, like we've gone nine out of our last ten. Brad Stevens has attributed a lot of that to to Rogier's uh, quality play. So who knows? Yeah, so I think every team needs a scapegoat as well. Sadly, I mean, I, I would rather if they didn't. Like, I mean, last year the undisputed champion was my man, the fucking the Egyptian assassin Abdul Nader, uh, who's now killing it for the Oklahoma City Thunder. As you can go to their their Reddit and you can uh, you can uh, read their comments. But um, yeah, and I think Haywood sort of had that little title for a little while, but everyone's forgiving him for the reasons that uh, Labert has just described and more on that but yeah i think like everyone needs to sort of like point their fingers sometime and just be like oh, fuck this dude getting <laughs> us down so um, fairly or unfairly probably his performance warrants it but yeah i think he's just he's a scapegoat of the team unfortunately yep yeah look <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what else we can add to that he definitely is uh a couple of random points so i've got a couple of post game thread comments from you folks at celtics reddit so use a certain bounce wrote this was a genuinely shitty game but i love the tyson haywood chemistry very true i think danny t scored like most of his buckets off an assist from from gordon haywood so 
like a notable addition to what we discussed with uh with, with Hayward earlier was um his playmaking and he, he probably fell short a few assists i think there were a couple of um like bunnies that some of our guys missed off Hayward passes so it would have made his stat line look a lot more impressive but um Nonetheless, user Nazquacker writes, thank you, Kaz, for remembering you're supposed to tank during the last minute. <laughs> it's looking a little dicey there for a second. And user MJ Rocky wrote, another opponent held under 100. That's three of the last four. So defense continues to shine. Good stuff. Totally. There is one other misc point I want to add before we move on. And feel free to jump in with your own misc points. What the fuck is a punch ball violation? I've literally never heard of a punch yeah, ball good question. violation. <laughs> good question. So... In case you're wondering what I'm talking about, I didn't write down the timestamp, unfortunately, um, but at some point in the game, Daniel Tice, as he is known to do, punched the ball, um, sort of in the in the motion of an offensive rebound, back out to you know whoever was playing guard at that point in the game. Um, essentially, it was a recovery of a ball, a second chance point, um, and he got called for a punch ball violation, and it was a turnover. And I just and and um, Scout was all over it. He was like, "Oh, you can't do that in today's league." But um, I just I feel like I have never witnessed that in in my life watching the NBA, and I didn't know that that was a uh, a violation of the rules. But um, apparently it is. I was very surprised, and it seems like basically everyone who witnessed it, um, whether it be on Twitter, Reddit, or was at the arena, was also very surprised. So I don't know. Thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I'm sure there's a malice in the palace joke in there somewhere that I, I can't <laughs> piece together. But yeah, bizarre. I've never heard of it either. All right, we're going to take a very quick break and we'll be back in a moment for the Reddit recap. All right, welcome back. This is the Reddit recap and a post by user Estgood, E-S-T-G-W-D. The Celtics have won five straight, 10 out of the last 11. Um, probably mentioned that slightly before this segment, but um, they go on to say the last 11 games for the Seas were uh, Toronto, Memphis, Atlanta, Miami, Cleveland, Golden State, Brooklyn, Charlotte, New York, OKC, and Cleveland. And then basically goes on to say, you know, what are the good aspects about that stretch for us? And, you know, it mentions Marcus Smart shooting and just the fact that the team is is starting to find some rhythm and cohesiveness. Um, given where our season has led us uh, emotionally as fans, um, I think it's probably worth mentioning the recent success we've had and, and just sort of pausing for a moment to appreciate where we are, given the journey so far and where we've come from. So curious to hear from you guys, Larbert and, and Jackson. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on this recent stretch? And like, what do you think it means for our trajectory for the rest of the season and the playoffs ahead? If 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 I'm if I'm totally honest, like I would rather this kind of stretch if it was to happen, like in a microcosm, like six weeks time, like post All Star break, everything's out of the way, and we're really starting to ramp up and getting and get into the playoffs. That's ideally when I want to see this run start. But if we can continue this kind of play as 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 we get into the playoffs, then I'm going to be like super confident because like the only loss in that in that group was the Warriors, and you know. Games can be lost on a myriad of reasons, like going back and forth throughout the whole game. But basically, it came down to a like an, a, an, a bricked offensive rebound off a free throw is ultimately what decided that game. So the the play has been excellent. We haven't had Kyrie for the whole time. There have been players in and out of that of that of that lineup that um we've dealt with them 
quite well. Uh, it hasn't been like the toughest sample size to deal with. Like no disrespect to Oklahoma City or Toronto or Golden State, <laughs> obviously, but yeah. like you would expect us to win most of those games. But at the same time, like the best teams beat the teams they're meant to beat. You know, this wasn't out thus in the first couple you know, weeks or months of the, of the season. So you could have to say that that's an improvement. That's, that's good. Yeah, I think it's been the best stretch of basketball we've played all season. And it's a, you know, it's a great thing. Um, going, you know, it, when the season started, a lot of the things that we were complaining about and that were problems were, you know, the way that Jalen Brown was playing. He wasn't living up to expectations. Um, Hayward obviously wasn't living up to expectations, but even, you know, Kyrie started the season really, really weak for the first like five or six games and Horford was starting out really weak. All that stuff is not happening anymore. I mean, this last 12 or so game stretch is basically what we expected of this team aside from maybe Hayward. And that's partially, I think, because of his role right now. So, I mean, this is great. We've moved up to the third seed. We're we're playing awesome basketball. Kyrie looks like a you know borderline MVP right now. He's like he should you know probably be in the running. Um, and we're cooking. I mean, this is a great it's a great time to be following the Celtics. I know there's all these distractions right now and all this stuff in the media. And I've you know anyone who's follows the Celtics subreddit has probably seen me whine about all this stuff. But the actual product that we're putting out on the court right now is great, and that should be the focus. And this team is you know rallying and hopefully just continues. Yeah, I've been I've been paying close attention to a lot of the activity on Celtics Reddit, as you can imagine, um, being the host of this podcast. And I have appreciated the comments that I've seen that you post, La Bird. Whenever someone posts something about you know Kyrie Irving leaving or um or like buying into any of the the drama that is probably like cooked up by by Rich Paul and you know and Anthony Davis's people, um, it's like good to see. I don't know, logic and reason applied to that as to, you know, why we shouldn't really buy into that as fans and why we shouldn't allow it to to cause anxiety in us as fans and, and just sort of ignore the noise and, and move on. So it, it's good to see like people stepping in and um and, and quelling that kind of drama within the subreddit. So so yeah, good work. Yeah. In terms of like the drama of the subreddit, like I'm sure we're gonna get to this later, but like it, it's kind of moved more away from criticizing our own players and it's kind of like you're not you unified us in the sense of like you know there are those who are in favor of getting anthony davis and those who are against it so i feel like that's a more unifying sort of uh topic to to have debates about rather than uh uh, jalen brown's fucking terrible let's get rid of him blah 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 blah. like that's nonsense (laughs) and it doesn't help Mm -hmm. anyone so it's 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 nice to see us more on like a same page overall i think there's a lot less attacks on on the players and there's uh more just attacks on the lakers and attacks on uh you know the media the media and attacks it's great like this focus isn't no it's no longer negative on our players it's, it's negative and everything extra you know external to us which is awesome mm. uh, absolutely i have to i have to pause and say to the listeners out there because I'm, I'm not confident in my ability to to edit um some of these pauses out but we are having some major internet connectivity issues bouncing between newcastle sydney um and wherever in the states la bird is so I, I apologize if um if you're having to put up with that um but look let's use this pause now to move on to um the real meat of what's going on at the moment it is the the trade deadline the the ad situation and, and use elite speak uh celtic reddit moderator posted a, a trade deadline mega thread just to consolidate all of the shenanigans going on with anthony davis and and um, well, you know what's going on, really. I don't have to describe it to you. I'm going to start with a comment um, posted on that mega thread from user device device three. I'm also annoyed that RNBA is trying to undermine Boston's assets, even if they don't get traded. I don't like how they underrate our players. 
Lakers' best asset is Brandon Ingram, whose VORP and BPM are worse than Jalen Brown's, never mind Tatum, put some respect on the Jays. So I'm curious to hear from you guys, and you know, I suspect us being Celtics fans, we're all going to be of the same opinion, but we know what the Lakers' package is. Um, so considering the, considering the Lakers' package and considering the best package that the Celtics, Celtics can offer, uh, are you confident that New Orleans will wait to see in the offseason what Danny Ainge can offer, or do you think they're going to take this, um, this Lakers' package that's apparently being offered up? That it certainly they're gonna wait. They're certainly gonna wait. If if if, if it cuts, if it gets to uh, Friday morning our time, uh, trade deadline day in the US, and and Anthony Davis on the Lakers, I'll 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 be absolutely aghast. Like the there's just the, the the levels of of stupidity that would come from from New Orleans and probably even the Lakers. To be fair, to to do the kind of deal of the magnitude that needs to be to get these to get this to work would be would be out of this world. Like I don't think what the Lakers are offering. Uh, is good for the Lakers. Uh, it might be okay for uh, New Orleans, but like, I just they're, they're going to want to hope that they get a lot of cheap veterans in, in the next say, like the season after, and they're probably going to bottom out hard. This, so I don't see that happening. Um, I think Pelicans definitely want Boston, want to hear Boston's offer. Well, they want to hear a real offer. I'm sure Danny Ainge just told them, "Hey, you're going to get this, this, and this." And then when it gets to July 1st, they're going to be like, "Oh, did I say this, this, and this? I meant something else." So I think that's definitely where we're heading. Um, I, I agree that the the talking down of, of our players versus the Lakers players is just is, is ridiculous because like to be fair like unless you're a fan of either team whose players are under the microscope you're not going to have a real accurate or real like picture whether or not it's skewed because you love them or you you, you see their flaws all the time but I just feel like if you watch them game game after game you have a better idea so obviously the Lakers fans are going to think that their dudes are better than ours and we're going to think obviously that our dudes are better than theirs. Anyone else who's you know confidently saying that the Lakers players are better than ours are just jumping the shit on Boston train, which we see all the time and is not be- and is like you know a regular thing. I don't think Anthony Davis is going to be a- anything other than like a-, a DMP for the rest of the season for the Pelicans, and I think this attacking of our players is probably just Lakers fans trying to do their best to make our offer not look as good, perhaps, and it's ridiculous. I think it probably gets uh, delayed until the summer. I don't think that it makes much sense for the Pelicans to trade to the Lakers right now, and that offer is going to be there from the Lakers um, in the summer. And there's no reason for them to do it right now. But I mean, and as, I think it's really important to tune out some of the media that we're seeing right now because it's hard to really know what's true. Like, there's a post on the on uh, NBA or Celtics subreddit that says that Demps asked Magic for, and then it'll list off all the assets that apparently the Pelicans are asking of the, um, of the Lakers. And yeah, I mean, that, I that. that actually made me a little concerned because I'm like, is this true? Because my whole thing is like, I don't expect them to counter offer at all because there is no counter offer if I'm from the Lakers uh, perspective that I wouldn't take. I mean, we're talking about basically the, the key assets are Lonzo, Ingram, um, Kuzma, and they're all decent assets. I'm not going to downplay those assets. Hart, I guess, to a lesser extent. Uh, and then these first round picks and those first round picks, even if they're unprotected, we're talking about till 2021. If they have, if they have their way, if the Lakers have their way, they're going to have LeBron, Anthony Davis, and another superstar. Those are all going to be more than likely late first. I know we saw it with Brooklyn where they took a bunch of guys that were pretty old and then they kind of, you know, tanked from there. But Anthony Davis is really young. And if they get their way and they get another star guy to join them, like Clay Thompson or whoever, Kawhi Leonard, whoever, those picks are going to suck. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, 
I get a little worried when I see that it says that they offered that to the Lakers because if I'm the Lakers, if I'm the Lakers, I jump at that. So I'm just going to assume that this report is bullshit because I don't think that there's any really any reason for them to counter at this point. They should just sit down and wait. The Knicks are going to offer potentially a top one or two pick. We're going to offer a, a major package, and that Lakers deal will be there. So that's my opinion, at least. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly hope that happens. It certainly looked like initially when the um, the trade request came out, and we covered a lot of this already, but a lot of the the noise that was being put out there, sort of that, the angle that was being taken suggested that the Lakers were going to be able to pull this off. And um, I, I guess a lot of misinformation went out there. I mean, we saw it with our own squad with, with Kyrie and that kind of thing. Um, that sort of put other squads in turmoil and made them not look like an attractive trade partner. But now a lot of that seems to be wiped clean and we're just seeing like more of the facts. And and I guess like rather pleasantly from a Celtics fan perspective, right, we're starting to see, I don't want to say an embarrassing situation for the Lakers, but like they're, it seems like they're basically down on their hands and knees just offering like essentially whatever, um, just begging, begging the Pelicans for them to make this trade. And, and the Pelicans... Again, pleasantly, from the Celtics fan perspective, is sort of saying, "No, nah, like what you have to offer, which is like everything that you're offering us, is is nowhere near as good as what other teams in the league, including the Celtics, can offer us." And I don't know, as a Celtics fan that hates the Lakers, that uh, that makes me feel pretty good. But <laughs> obviously, we're going to be quite biased from the Celtics fan perspective. Uh, and if we go out and ask Lakers fans or really anyone in uh, RNBA uh, who tend to hate the Celtics, they're going to be quite biased, you know, um, opposing the Celtics. So I went ahead, I went over to the Pelicans subreddit and I asked those guys if they could record a soundbite giving their take on the two packages. So the hypothetical Celtics package and the known uh, Lakers package um, to give us an idea from their standpoint, their neutral standpoint, um, how they feel about the potential coming from either side. So I'm going to play that to you now and then we're going to discuss it from that point onwards. I think that the Lakers legitimately are offering pretty much everything you could ask a team to offer for a superstar. Uh, but the thing that they don't possess is a blue chipper in Tatum. And I think that if the Celtics are willing to put Tatum in a deal, then that trumps everything that the Lakers will do. Even if the Celtics are not willing to eat Solomon Hill or you know give up multiple future picks uh, even if they're just willing to give up a couple of picks like the Memphis pick and the Clippers pick and Tatum and then salary cap I think that putting a blue chip in there like Tatum trumps anything the Lakers can offer but maybe I'm in the minority in this but I would personally choose the Lakers offer over almost anything that the Celtics could put together that doesn't include Tatum so anything that is brown plus picks, plus things like that, I would probably go with the Lakers' quote-unquote godfather offer. And that is courtesy of Pelicans Reddit user Div Pope. Shout-out to Div Pope. Thank you for providing your insights there. So just a summary there. Uh, essentially, the Tatum offer trumps all, but the Lakers' godfather offer trumps anything the Celtics can offer without including Tatum. That's what I yeah. took from that. So Tatum's make or break, basically. I'll, ta- I'll, I'll take whatever shit you can give me with Tatum, but it, your best offer without him is no good. That's basically what I got out of that. Yeah, I think it makes sense. <laughs> Jason Tatum's a 20-year-old potential you know, MVP player down the line. I, I still believe that Tatum has the potential to be an MVP-level player. He's only 20. This guy is going to be so, so good. Um, so yeah, <laughs> he probably trumps anything that the Lakers have. I mean, this is the kind of thing like, 
when we hear about how back, you know, a few years ago, <laughs> Danny Ainge tried to move up from 16 to 10 and tried to offer up six picks, including, you know, four first rounders, including a future top five Brooklyn pick to do it. Qual- you know, that's because the, perce- the perception of quality trumps any kind of quantity you can offer up. So at the time they were like, Winslow is better than any of this crap we're going to offer you. It's the same kind of thing here now. Like they can offer a ball yeah. and Kuzma and, and you know Ingram and all these guys, and they all have potential to be good. But Tatum is that blue chip prospect. He is that guy that has the potential to be an all NBA first teamer. So yeah, obviously from the Pelicans, that's what I want. And I hate it as a Celtic fan because I want us to, you know, personally, I love Tatum. He's my favorite player on the team. Yeah. It really, it upsets me even thinking about moving him. I'm coming to the point in the last week or so where I'm starting to kind of come to grips with that and realize that it probably would happen if we get to the summer. And I think there's another aspect of this that kind of would seem fringy, but I think that if we're keeping Kyrie and we're getting Davis for Tatum, there's other players out there, big name players that I think that Boston would try to get via sign uh via sign and trade or trade and you know kevin durant i think that's a name you have to keep in mind we're starting to hear a little buzz here and there and if you're trading tatum i mean i know that sounds ridiculous and people are gonna oh come on you're fucking kidding me durant but listen if you're gonna (laughs) if you're gonna go all in on davis and give up tatum and all these players then i think that opens that possibility for durant if you think that you can get a three-man team of Kyrie. Durant and Davis, then yeah, the Pelicans are going to get a really, really, really good offer from us. That's probably going to beat anyone, and I think that's something they have to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I'm I'm starting to buy the the the, K, the Kevin Durant to Boston hype because I think well, it was a, a few months ago. It was Jackie McMullen said something like you know don't don't write it off or like GMs think that like you know that that's possible. And you remember thinking it was just ridiculous at the time, but the more and more it goes on, it's just it would be kind of like that sort of left field move that no one would see coming and be like, what the fuck, no way. And that would be like yeah. just an 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 absolutely like monstrous big three. It really would. Um, so you put that in front of me right now, and I'm like, oh shit, like that's that's remarkable. It it does take away the pain of of losing Tatum and whoever else we we, we might have to give up, but like. It's at the point now where like it's been such a, a fucking roller coaster with Davis like so far, and it's only been what a week or thereabouts <laughs> yeah. that like I'm 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 honestly I'm cool either way. I'm cool if obviously this is the proviso that Kyrie resigns. If we get Kyrie next year with the same squad, but everyone's just a year older, and maybe we add some piece out of nowhere that's like nice, but not like you know you know obviously Anthony Davis level. That, that that's brilliant. I'm more than prepared to to roll with that. However, if we do have to sell the farm so to speak and that means Tatum and that potentially means Marcus Smart it's like ugh, like it, it it's making me cringe now just thinking of like seeing those guys in other uniforms but again Kyrie Anthony Davis and then the potential fucking piece de resistance the cherry on top Kevin Durant that's just <laughs> that's like if if we weren't performing with that team then I would seriously like start to wonder like what's going on in the universe because that's like that's almost unbeatable as far as I'm concerned just as a three man team yeah i mean that's that's what makes this is so spicy, right? Because the, the natural instinct from the fan perspective is like, I want to see Tatum grow up, right? Like, I want to see him grow up into a, a man as far as the yeah, NBA, totally. you know, standard is concerned and see him, you know, come to fruition and be who he can be. But Anthony Davis is the caliber of player that you hope Tatum can become one day. And so, I don't know, like, given Kyrie's age and, you know, hypothetically Durant's age and even like Horford's age and stuff like that. AD kind of fits the timeline a little better and 
Like, of course, you're going to trade a prospect for the player that you hope he can become. So while it's it's difficult to let go of Tatum um, because of, you know, we drafted him and we're watching him grow before our eyes and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, like, of, of course, you let him go for Anthony Davis, right? Like, of course, you do that. So I think that it's a hard sort of pill to swallow. But I think, you know, if, if we get past this trade deadline and the Lakers offer isn't accepted, then there's a, a real hope that we can do that because it's a lot of noise out there. But what seems to be put out there consistently is that Tatum is the guy who's going to get it done. So listen, if if Davis does get moved to the Lakers in a day, which which I still don't think is going to happen, but if it does, Celtics fans, don't worry. I mean, this team is so well positioned to do so many things. We have so much flexibility. Even if we get to the summer and Kyrie walks, which I don't think is going to happen, it still doesn't matter. Boston has so many assets. Like, what is our absolute worst, worst, worst case scenario? That Davis gets traded to the Lakers and Kyrie goes and joins him there. Listen, you still have Jason Tatum. You still have Jalen Brown. You still have four first round picks coming. You still have Al Horford. You have Gordon Hayward turning a corner. This team is going to be fucking good no matter what. This team is going to be good. There's no reason to worry. Danny Ainge knows what he's doing. He's probably the best GM in the league. And we're going to be fine. Preach. Preach. Yeah, it's funny. Like The worst case scenario is kind of just like doing the thing that a lot of us deep down want to do anyway, <laughs> which is watch the Jays grow up. So uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of positivity in the future. All right. One, one more late addition to the Celtics Reddit recap is user Brad Stevens posted a, a wash bomb, a straight up wash bomb posted an hour ago as of the time of recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. Sources, Clippers and Sixers have agreed to trade Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, Mike Scott for Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, a 2020 first rounder, a 2021 unprotected first via Miami, and two second rounders. Huge trade. And obviously, you know, you put a guy like Tobias Harris onto that Sixers squad. That's uh, potentially big trouble for our Celtics. So how are you guys feeling about this? That, that's a big that's a- bastard of a starting five now unfortunately yeah. that's if, if if i'm if i'm not mistaken here that's simmons reddick butler harris and bead that's like bad news eh? like i mean obviously you have to take into account into into account the chemistry issues because you're bringing this guy and he's probably going to be a starter and it could go the way of the celtics and it might take a while to get shit together man every time every anytime jimmy butler goes somewhere or someone joins the jimmy butler team i'm just waiting for like the infighting to start but like there hasn't really been many signs of that other than i think the one sort of running you may have had with the coach but that seems to have kind of died out now yeah man they're um they're all in the dice they're sort of going they it, it feels like this is them sort of going all in at least for this season there must be some grand plan in place at least you would assume that's the case i mean these guys did take markel faults over jason tatum but that's probably unfair uh when you apply the power of hindsight to it but um yeah that's um <laughs> If, if 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 Tobias Harris can be the same Tobias Harris he's been on the Clippers and and basically himself as of late on that team, then that's um that's going to be dangerous. This is fucking huge for the Sixers, uh, and it's going to be a big thing for the Eastern Conference race. It really is. I mean, you yeah. can't undersell this. I mean, Tobias Harris, it gets a little, he's a little underrated. I think he didn't he didn't get selected to All Star team, but he's putting up All Star numbers. He's averaging twenty one points with fifty percent shooting and forty three percent from three. And that's what everyone was complaining about is that the oh the Sixers don't have any shooting around Simmons and Embiid. Well, now they have JJ Redick who's shooting insane percentages from 3 and they have Jimmy Butler who's shooting pretty well and you have J- Tobias Harris added to that. 
that's a really, really, really talented team. And sure, like chemistry can be an issue for them, but that's going to be a problem team. They have what you could actually consider four all-star players on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, they have two that actually made it, Embiid and Simmons. Butler, as much as people want to crap on him, he's still having a really good season for them. Probably could have made the all-star team as a reserve. And now Tobias Harris on top. That's a talented, talented, talented team that you're going to have. Uh, it's going to be trouble. I know people want to just dismiss the Sixers anytime they do anything, but that team is going to be trouble. I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. It's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I had marked down here. Like We've got a bit of a, um, for some part of it, a, a tough schedule coming up. We've got the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Raptors all on the road. They're all away games. And like in terms of trying to determine whether or not we've truly turned the corner as a team and finally found our way, I had down here that we need to win two of those three games on the road to to prove that we're like the team to beat in the East. And and now you know one of those matchups, obviously being the Sixers, becomes um, vastly more difficult to uh to win, especially on the road. So I don't know that that has me a little worried as a Celtics fan. I hate to admit that as someone who like typically you know hates the Sixers. I do feel like though, it, it really, if anyone can fuck this up, it is the Philadelphia 76ers, right? So we've always got that going for us. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Um, I was going to say from, from from like the counterpoint as well too. It's interesting what's happening with the Clippers now too, because like now they've they they just dumped a, a a bunch of players. So that screams to me that they're going after you know a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard or or someone of that ilk too. I think Woj had a follow up tweet after that trade saying that this trade was not intended to free up anything for Anthony Davis, but to acquire, like, other... Well, I'm just reading it now. Uh, but for star players like him who invariably become available in the marketplace. So they're obviously positioning themselves for, for a big deal there. Obviously, it doesn't affect us as much as uh, the Sixers side of things. But, um, yeah, no, it's... Um, we, have to be, we have to be on our game now, <laughs> fortunately. Well, actually, this is a little bit relevant for Boston as well because... Oh, uh, this yeah, is right. the pick is gonna. What's gonna end up happening is the Clippers are probably yeah. they're in the the eighth seed right now. They're probably gonna fall into the mm-hmm. lottery, and that pick is top fourteen protected. So if they are going yeah. to more than likely start losing games because they're losing their best player, then you're probably not gonna have a first round pick this year. Which on one hand might be okay because it rolls over to next year, and we can use that as an asset trade for Davis. But the problem is, is top fourteen protected next year as well? And then if they doesn't convey it becomes second rounders so i don't know if that's going to be relevant or not if they end up adding a superstar they're probably going to have a late first there but that has some implications for our asset there that little asset there and of course we have lots of assets but that's one to think about yeah it's a massive bummer and like i i've just been begging to not see any form of lakers success um in the lead up to this trade line and for the Sixers to come out of nowhere with a, like a pretty baller trade like i'd be pretty happy with that if i was a Sixers fan it's disappointing, but um, you know, it's a new challenge for for the Celtics, and you know, it just makes things in the East that much more exciting. Like, there's a lot of talent, particularly in those top, you know, four or five seeds, and it's going to be a very interesting postseason and a lead up to that postseason. So, uh, it's going to make things more difficult for the Celtics, but it's going to make things more entertaining from a general NBA fan perspective. So, we've got that to look forward to. Yeah. Those top four teams are really good so it's going to yeah. be it's going to be an awesome playoffs i mean from the east perspective and then whoever gets to the finals will probably just get destroyed by golden state but it's going to be a lot of fun <laughs> to watch the playoffs uh and then you know with the philly philly thing i kind of saw this coming and there was all sorts of trades i was thinking that they could do using chandler's expiring in that miami pick and 
this was one that obviously makes a lot of sense for him to do. But the thing is, Harris is an expiring contract. Butler's an expiring contract. They could end up losing them. So it is a gamble, and they are going for it this season. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for them. Hopefully they fall on their face, and hopefully Tatum dominates them in the playoffs like he did last year, and then hopefully those guys flee and they just are you know stuck in irrelevance. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> One can hope. One can hope. We can only hope. We can hope only springs hope. eternal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll just about do it for this episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. We do have a very special guest joining us this weekend for spicy post-trade deadline discussions, uh, post-Laker game edition discussions, and so on and so forth. So be sure to tune into that. In the meantime, LaBird33, thank you very much for joining us at the last minute. It's been great to have you on again. Yeah, I hope that uh, people might be getting sick of me at this point. I posted a lot of videos and podcasts myself in the last week. But, hey, man, I'm happy to join. Thanks for inviting me. It's been cool to talk about this stuff. Hey, man, we're not, we're not sick of you, dude. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Jackson, uh, thanks again as always. Um, we'll see you in a few days, mate. Pleasure as always. Cheers, mate. All right. Go Celtics. Peace. Peace.